our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Praise all servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. Let us stand together and let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the privilege to come into your house. Your name is worthy to be praised, and we ascribe unto you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. As we gather together, we invite your presence, we invite your blessings. We ask you to be glorified, O Lord. Receive our worship, receive our adoration, and may our hearts be encouraged to serve you more. Bless the word, bless each one that will come today, and we unite ourselves and our hearts in praises to you, in Jesus' name. And everyone says... Amen. Would you put your hands together, please, and welcome the worship team. Praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. It is Sunday. We have life. We have health. We have strength. Our faculties are in order. Yes. Hallelujah. We thank God. For his goodness today, the song says that my God is big. Can you tell your neighbor my God is big? Come on, tell your neighbor my God is, well, if you have a neighbor that is, my God is big. Sister Francis, my God is big. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Please worship with us. Oh, yes. Goes beyond. 
is nothing that our God cannot do. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher. Our God is better. Hallelujah. That's enough to get excited this morning. Behold, he comes. So lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. You know, when we say Jubilee, I expect to see smiles. Right? Because Jubilee means what? Joy, right? Oh, yeah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Oh. Y'all can sing with me. These are the days. These are the days of Elijah. Oh, declaring the word of the Lord. Oh, and these are the days of your servant Moses. Righteousness being restored.
every problem, every trial, everything becomes small when you know that there is no God. There is no God like our God. Hallelujah, the one who was and is to come, the all-powerful one, the all-sufficient one. Hallelujah. Can I just get a hallelujah, like a wave? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, and we want your spirit to break out in this place. Hallelujah. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth, God, as it is in heaven. Break our walls this morning. Tear our walls down as we stand in your presence, Father. Show us who you are, God. Thank you, God. We need a fresh touch from you. And we can't have a fresh touch, God, if we're still struggling with old walls. So break the walls down this morning, Father. Hallelujah. Walls of fear and walls of pride and walls of indecision. Hallelujah. Walls of confusion. Break the walls down this morning. Our Father, all of heaven rose in your name. Sing louder. Let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching us. Oh, the sound of hell. Our Father. Our Father. All of heaven. All of heaven. Sing The sound of heaven, oh, Father, I 
disharmony, walls of discord, walls of pride, God, walls of doubt, walls of fear, God, and replace it with your love, replace it with your power, replace it with the fire of the Holy Ghost, replace it with you, God, the essence of you, replace it, Father. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Set a fire. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain.
Righteousness, for they shall be filled. A lot of times we have hunger and desires for other things other than God. But the blessing comes when we hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. And that's what we're singing. Fill me to the overflow. We want more of God. And if that's the desire of your heart as we pray, whisper a prayer and ask God, Lord, touch my heart. Break down every wall that would prevent you from coming in. The excuses, the things that we rationalize about ourselves that need to be transformed. If we cease rationalizing, then we allow the Holy Spirit to break down those walls that prevent us from growing. And we want to grow. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to look like Jesus so that when the world sees us, they'll want to come to know him as the Lord and Savior. So as we pray this morning, would you join would you not be a spectator or a passive listener, but would you become engaged and you talk to the Lord and ask him to break down those walls? You know those walls in your life. I know the walls in my life that need to be broken down. And those who are watching us by the World Wide Web, we invite you to join us in prayer also. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you bid us come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may obtain help and find mercy in our time of need. We need you, God. 
We have so many walls erected around our heart, around our being, walls that seem impenetrable, but not to you. Today, we make the decision to open our heart, to invite you to break down those hard places that keep us from growing, keep us from hungering, keep us from being filled with your presence. Lord, we open our hearts and we let go of all those things we've excused. Some of them we've claimed it's just the way we are. But you want to transform us into the image of your son, Jesus. So we humble ourselves before you. We can't do it of ourselves, but we are willing to let you change us. So here we are, Lord. We give you our hearts. We give your whole being. Move upon us. Let us not lead the way we came. Children, youth, adults, may we surrender the authority of our lives to you, Father. For truly you created us for your own purpose. And as we yield to you and allow your spirit to work in us, we will be transformed and be more like you. Then we'll experience your peace that we so long for. We'll experience your joy. We'll experience your blessings. So we yield ourselves to you. We let go and we let you this morning. Father, we ask you to remember those who have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Would you release saving grace this morning, both for those who are watching us by the web and those who are present in this congregation? We ask that you'd remove every spiritual blindness. You'd release saving faith. You'd give ears to hear the word of God, hearts to respond in obedience so that lives would be transformed. Save many sons and daughters today and be glorified. Remember those who are sick in body, those who are hurting emotionally. We ask that you'd ease every emotional pain. You'll heal every sickness, for by your stripes you're made whole. Father, we thank you that your healing is complete. It is both for our mental health, our spiritual health, our emotional well-being, our physical health, our relational health. And this morning we ask, touch every heart here. For even as our faces differ, our needs also differ. So may you meet every need. We ask, Father, that in your goodness you will anoint your word and your men's servant. And you will release faith to be mixed with the hearing of your word. That as your word is ministered, it will find good soil in our heart. It will do us good. We'll be obedient to the word. Meet every need present, represented here. Touch those who are away today because of illness or other circumstances. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayers today. We pray for the peace of our nation. We pray, oh God, that you'd move upon the hearts all over this nation, in the different time zones. Some, Lord, may just have awakened. Some are still sleeping, oh God. But we're asking today there be a consciousness of the presence of God in every sphere. We pray for those in authority that they would humble themselves. They would seek your wisdom, your insight to make just laws that we will live quiet and peaceable lives with all reverence. For it is your desire that they be saved to, O God. So hear and answer prayer, we pray. We commit these requests to you. We commit the cries of our heart. We commit our struggles to you, Father. And we give you thanks for meeting every need and hearing our prayers in Jesus' name. And everyone agrees and we say, Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team.
Let's give the worship team a great big round of applause. Amen. We're so glad that you came to worship today. There's no better place to be than in the house of God. And I hope that as you're here, you'll actively engage in worship and let Jesus do a new work in your heart. It is my desire each time I come that you would do something new and fresh in my heart. I want to welcome you today. If you're here visiting for the very first time, we have a specially prepared packet for you, but we need to identify you in order to give you that packet. So if it's your first time worshiping with us at Living Word Open Bible, would you be so gracious as to stand briefly? The ushers here will hand you a packet, and then you may be seated immediately after. So if it's your first visit, would you stand, please, so you can be recognized and give more traditional Living Word welcome? Just briefly, amen. God bless you. Amen. As soon as you receive the packet, you may be seated. Thank you so much for coming. And this is a great time in the service to open the packet. We have a connection card. We invite you to complete it. We promise you will not be soliciting. We'll send you a note in the mail. And uh, at the reverse side of the card, there's a place for prayer needs. Maybe you have a prayer request. You can include that. And when the ushers come by for the offering, would you please be so kind as to drop the completed card in the offering bucket? And uh, at the end of the service, we'll be giving you some more information because we'd like to refresh you before you leave. How about those of you who have returned, it's your second or third time. Would you wave at me if this is your second or third time worshiping with us? Amen. Thank you so much for coming back. We also have a special card for you, and we invite you to complete it. On the reverse side, there's a menu. If you want to know more about the church and about our ministries, please go ahead and check what applies to you. And when the ushers come by, if you just be kind again to drop it in the offering bucket. Amen. And for those of you who are your regular attendees or members or you're visiting, like Miss Bernice Lewis there, let's uh, just give yourself an applause, everybody, and turn to your neighbor and say, nice to see you, neighbor. Amen. Nice to see you. Amen. We have some announcements for you, and now I'm going to invite technology to give us breaking news from the Living Word Open Bible newsroom. Good morning, church. I'm Brett. And I'm Danelle, reporting to you live from LWOBC Studios with some breaking news. First topic on the table, you camp. That's right, you can register your child outside at the welcome desk after service. Camp will be held at Camp Freedom in Homestead this year from July 23rd to July 27th. Remember, final payments of $50 are due by July 10th. Next, there will be a leadership meeting tonight at 6 p.m. in the original sanctuary. Five, six, seven, Zanel, eight, where'd you get nine. all this money from? Well, I learned how to manage my money better at a financial seminar I attended I also learn more about wills, trusts, and investments. However, don't be worried. There will be a financial seminar right here on June 25th at 7 p.m. where you can learn the same thing and learn to manage your finances better. Attention parents, the most exciting week of summer is coming up. Can you guess what that is? VBS, of course. Yes, this year's VBS theme is Maker Fun Factory. Sign your kids up for VBS outside after service for a small fee of $15. That's all we have for you today. Thanks for tuning in and, and have, have a blessed day. day.
Amen. Chirpy, chirpy news reporters. Amen. We love them. Amen. I just want to add a few announcements. Next Sunday is Father's Day. Everybody say Father's Day. All right. That was not very strong. Let's try that again. It is going to be Father's Day. Come on, fathers. You should be shouting louder. It's your special day. And we have very special services on that day. The ladies will be providing a wonderful, gourmet, tropical, international. Let me correct myself. International breakfast for the dads. For whom? For the dads. All right. So ladies, you know, you'll be approached by some of the committee, ladies committee um, members. Please be so cooperative. We want to bless the fathers in the house. I want you to come and enjoy yourself. If your dad isn't used to coming to church, invite your dad. And tell your dad, my church has the best cooks. And you'll be filled with your belly before you leave. Amen. So they'll get the word. They'll get all the blessings. And they'll be filled with some nice food. So we want to invite our dads. And if you weren't getting along with your dad, what a great time to call all week and make up. And invite your dad to service. God would be very pleased and you will be blessed. Amen? All right. There's a South District Talent um, Showcase coming up, and that's on July 7th. And that's going to be in aid of helping camp, camp reducing camp costs. So all parents should be really happy about that. And even if you don't have a kid, what a great way to um, be a part of the camp by coming to support their fundraiser. And it's not for our church. It's for the entire district that comprises 17 churches. So you'll be having a very multicultural flavor uh, from all the way the south to all the way north to Punta Gorda. The churches will be coming together in that day. And what an array of talents and giftedness. So we want you to come and support. I want to remind you that our church is a praying church. But the church is all of us. The church is not the building. So if you don't show up for prayer, prayer will not take place. We invite you to come out on time on Tuesdays and join in the family night. Part of that will be prayer. And then also, if you're off on a Tuesday morning, we do have corporate fasting and prayer every Tuesday. And from 10 to 12, we have a vibrant group of prayer intercessors that come here and we rock heaven and kick the devil. Amen? And God answers. So if you're off on a Tuesday, don't sleep in. Get out and come and pray up. Amen? Let God do great things for our church. That's about the announcements. I'm going to invite the ushers to come at this time as we worship God in our giving. And the scriptures tell us in Malachi 3.10, we are to bring all the tithes and offering into the storehouse. And then God doesn't do stuff without, ask us to do things without blessing. He says, prove me and see. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you a blessing that you will not have room to contain. If you've been having financial difficulties, the first place to begin is to look at where you're placing your money. If the farmer eats all his seeds, he'll have nothing for the next crop. Nothing at all. And if we do not follow God's um, instruction on how to do our giving, we're going to have issues with our finances. Now, if you've been obedient and you're having issues, the scripture says, prove him and see. So you can go to God and say, I have obeyed your word. Now, God, 
prove yourself. Amen? I'm going to ask Brother Forbes to ask God's blessing on you and on your gift. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in this act of obedience with our tithes and our offerings. We ask the Lord that you bless it. May it truly be used to further your kingdom. For those who are among us who are lacking, we know that you are not a God of lack, that they hold on in faith, and you shall provide. So, Heavenly Father, as we give today, may it be bountiful, and may each person leave with what they need here today. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're watching us online, it's a great time to do online giving. You can do it from your computer or from your cell phone if you have downloaded the Living Word Open Bible Church app. Amen. If you're writing a check, you could just put L-W-O-B-C to make it short. Amen. pleasure to introduce our speaker for today, God's man for the hour, Senior Pastor Reverend Carl Augustus Francis. Well, praise the Lord. God is good and all the time. Amen. Why don't you turn to the person beside you who says, good to see you today, or person behind you, or just greet somebody around you. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, you can check it out. And whether it's electronic or the physical Bible, in terms of the pages you want to turn to Mark chapter 12. And uh, we're going to read a couple of verses today from Mark chapter 12. And uh, beginning at verse 18. And uh, read through to verse uh, 30. 31, actually. Verse 31. Mark chapter 12, reading from verse 18 to verse 31, using the New King James Version. 
If you don't have that, you can follow in and just listen. But beginning at verse 18, it says, Then some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him, and they asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying he left no offspring. And the second took her, and he died, nor did he leave any offspring. And the third likewise. So the seven had her and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you not therefore mistaken? Because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. But when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I want to focus on that verse 30 this morning. That's what we want to talk about. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul. With all your mind. And with all your strength, let us pray. Father, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find them and medicine unto all flesh. May you speak to us today. May we hear your voice, God. Let no one leave the way they came and those watching us by the World Wide Web. May your Holy Spirit do a work in every heart. And may you be glorified as your people are edified. For we ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. It was a Sunday morning, and the mother went to wake, to wake her son for, for church. And as she went to the room to wake her son, he woke up and he said, Mom, I don't feel like going today. And she says, No, you have to go. Today's Sunday. And you need to be in church. And he says, well, I don't feel like going. They don't like me and I don't like them. And she says, no, you have to go. You're 45 years old and you're the pastor. <laughs> you know, sometimes if we succumb to our feelings, we're going to be doing the wrong thing. We're going to learn this morning that we can't follow necessarily our feelings. We've been talking about 
transform in our spiritual life, transform in our physical life, transform in our mental life. We talked about the thoughts or thinking. And now we want to look at our emotional life. We took a break last week when we talked about, because it was Holy Ghost uh, um, Sunday, Pentecost Sunday rather. And so because of that, we took a little hiatus. But now we're back on track with the transformation, 50 days of transformation. And so as we look at that this morning, we want to remind you that it is important. And the verse that I, that I said we want to focus on in Mark chapter 12 there was that Jesus said the most important commandment is this. You shall love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Is that a kind of wishy-washy love? No. That's with passion, isn't it? You can hear the passion there. If somebody loves you with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, that's how you want to be loved. Isn't that true? Isn't that, ladies, wives, you want to be loved like that. You know, that kind of a love, a strong, passionate love. And that's what it is. God is a God of emotion. And we're talking about how today to deal with our emotions. And what we're going to look at today is that we're going to look at why we need to manage our emotions. The last time we also looked at why we need to manage our minds, our, our thought life, if you remember that. Now we're going to look at why we need to manage our emotions, and then we're going to look at how we do this. And so before I do that, though, I want to leave some set of foundation with you. And one of the foundations that I want to set with you is this, is that God is a God of emotions. People may not realize that God is a God of emotions. Well, let me quote a scripture, two scripture verses that will demonstrate that. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Here is what it says. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You can't grieve someone unless they have what? Emotions. And so God is a God of emotions. And so the Bible says, don't grieve him with the way we live. And then, of course, we want to go to 1 John 4 and verse 8. Here is what it says. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And love is an emotional thing. We say to somebody, I love you with all my heart. And so it is that there is, God is a God of emotions. And the second thing I want you to understand is that my ability to feel is a gift from God. The ability to feel is a gift from God. That may not seem like much, but I want you to know it's a very important thing. It plays an important role in our lives. Emotions are a great asset. They're the one thing that make us human beings. If we never had emotions, you know what we would be? Robots. Anybody would like to be a robot? No, I didn't want to be a robot. Aren't you thankful that God didn't make us robots? You know, he had a choice. And God could have, he could, have, he could have decided that he was not going to make us with emotions. He made us that we had to do what he said, when he said, how we said. But he decided to give us a will and emotions and a mind so we can think and we can make decisions. God gave us a, so the ability to feel is an important thing. And so why is that so? Because the Bible tells us that we are made in the image and the likeness of God. So God is a God with emotions. And then there are two things that we need to focus on about emotions. There are two extremes with our emotions. 
And we have to avoid both extremes. And so we're going to look at them this morning. The first extreme is what is called emotionalism. Let me define that for you. Emotionalism means that all that matters is how I feel. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what I hear. It doesn't matter any of those other things, what's right or wrong, what's bad or good. It's all about what I feel. And you know, in the 60s, that was what the hippie generation was about. And so there is this feeling, if it felt good, they were to do what? To it. And so there were some things that they didn't do so well. And you've got to tell you, some of the children that came out of the hippie generation so had some real issues in terms of bad parenting. Because they didn't really have some structure, and they really didn't have certain boundaries, and so there were, they were, they were not these protective things that were necessary, and so some of those kids really went off the deep end. And so the point is that we need to recognize emotionalism is on the extreme end of the spectrum where it doesn't matter us all about how I feel. And I base what I do on how I feel. And then there is the other extreme end of our emotions. And that is what's called stoicism. The stoic does not care about how you feel. For the stoic, it doesn't matter what I feel. It's what I think that is important. It is what, it's what I believe that is important. I don't care how I feel. It's what I think. And so we, 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 we really need to, that's also the extreme you know, God made us with emotions and he gave us a mind and we need both. And we need to be using both and we need a balance. We need, we need a balance between the extreme of just working by our feelings and the extreme of just working by what we think. We need a balance in there. And so this morning, we need to remember that. Now some Christians, and you need to know that there are some denominations that are based on emotion. And I don't want to get into the denominations they are and what they are, but, but there are some denominations that's all about what I feel. Now, there are also some people, when they come to church, it's all about what I feel. If I didn't feel the Spirit moving, then it really wasn't a good service. In other words, those people need a quiver in their liver. And if they never had a quiver in their liver, then they're saying, oh, the service wasn't so good. Maybe there was good teaching. Maybe there were some good principles that were taught. But boy, I didn't feel, and, you know, and, and in some places they weren't jumping from the chandeliers and, and, and running around the place. And it's amazing that some people go to church for the feeling. And it's not about seeking God for the sake of who he is. It's about seeking God about when I feel. And if I don't feel it, then, not, then it's not going right. And, and that's wrong. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And God didn't create us to be that kind of a way. And so, you know, we need to understand. In the Bible, the Bible uses some words that talks about our emotions. It uses the word heart, the word affection. And sometimes it uses those words to replace our emotions, what we're talking about. When I said, I love you with all my heart. And the book of Psalms is pretty good in addressing our emotions and talking to us about it. So this morning, what I want to do, first of all, is to explain to you why we need to manage our emotions. There are four things I want to leave with you why we need to manage our emotions. Number one is because your feelings are often unreliable. 
your feelings are often unreliable. Let's see if I left my, uh, my pointer over here. I did. And I will get that. And uh, there we go. So the first thing is that your feelings are often unreliable. You know, not everything you feel is right. You know, you, 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 can, you can feel the wrong thing. Have you ever made a, you, you feel in your gut about something and when you do it, it's the wrong thing? Anybody? Yeah. We follow our gut feelings sometimes and it leads us in the wrong direction. And so just because you feel that it's right, it does not necessarily make it right. And the Bible tells us that. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 14 and verse 12? It says, there's a way that seems what? Right unto a man, but the end of it, it leads to death. And so your emotions and my emotions are not infallible. Just because I feel it doesn't make it true. And so that's the first thing we need to remember. My feelings are not always reliable. So I can't just work on what I feel. It's a little more than that. And then the second thing is why I need to manage my emotion is because I don't want to be manipulated. You know, your emotions can manipulate you. Your old nature, the Adamic nature can manipulate you. It can cause you to do things that you don't want to do. One of the things that I've learned is that I never want to go to the supermarket and do shopping when I'm hungry. Because if I go to the supermarket and I'm hungry, I'm pushing that cart. Everything I see is pretty good. And I want to put it into the basket, put it in the basket, put it in the basket. And when I, got, when I get back home, I realize, wait a minute, I have already four jars of jam. What am I doing with a fifth jar? But you see, everything looks so good when you're hungry. Isn't that so? And so you, that was impulse buying. Now that's what people, the advertisers do, is they try to raise our emotions. Or, you know, that, that salesperson what, trying to sell you that product. It's to deal with your emotions. And, you know, uh, and, and that's why you don't want to make those decisions in times of when you are emotional. So they try to tell you that, you know, one of the best things to do is that you've got to take care of relatives and other things especially with uh, people passing, that you don't wait until the last minute to start dealing with us. Because when you're in that kind of a frame mind, if somebody dies and you're trying to make decisions, you know, you know, you, here's what. Your emotion is being played upon because you know what you want to do? You want to make sure mama gets a good one, send off. Now, you know, you, you really got, and so and they, they're there to sell you the package, you see. And that's the time they make their money. And so you got to be careful that you're not emotionally carried away. And then you do something that you really shouldn't be doing. And, and then you realize afterwards, oops, I, should, I didn't want to do that. So we have to recognize that it's important that I don't want my emotions to manipulate me. So I need to manage them. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. It says, like an open city with no defenses is a man with no check on his feelings. The New Living Translation says it this way. A person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. If you and I don't learn to manage our emotions, we're going to be taken captive by the enemy. He's going to manipulate us. Now the devil loves to do that. One of his favorite things to do is to take control and manipulate us with negative emotions. And so the devil wants to create fear in us to whip us around. He wants to create resentment and jealousy and envy. He wants us to use, he wants to use bitterness and worry and anxiety to get us. And he wants to use shame to beat us up. His favorite tool 
is to whip us around with negative emotions. And if you don't know how to manage your emotions, you and I will become helpless against the enemy. That's why 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone who he can devour. Can I tell you, you don't want to be that someone. So you and I need to be self-controlled and be alert. So I need to manage my emotions because my feelings are often reliable. I need to manage my emotions because I don't want to be manipulated. And number three, I need to manage my emotions because I want to please God. Now here's the thing. God cannot be the Lord of my life if my emotions are the God in my life. You see, God can't rule my life when emotions are ruling my life. Jesus can't be Lord of my life if my emotions are the Lord of my life. If I make decisions on the basis of how I feel, I've made my feelings the God of my life. And God is not really who he says he is in my life. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this in Romans 8 and verse 6 to 8. It says, to be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. That's what the Bible says. If we obey the human nature, we can't please God. Because this flesh, as Paul says, there is no good thing in this flesh, Paul says. And so if we follow the flesh, we follow the human nature, we're not going to please God. You know, when something happens and somebody does something, and it, it rises up in you, the flesh is telling you to retaliate. And the flesh wants to tell you to get even. That's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to be forgiven. God wants us to be merciful. God wants us to be gracious. But what does, it, does your flesh tell you first thing when somebody troubles you? The first thing the flesh tells you? Oh, be nice to them. When somebody cuts you off when you're driving, does your flesh tell you? Oh, bless them in the name of the Lord. Is that what your flesh tells you first? No. It doesn't tell you that first. You have to tell the flesh, I am not doing that. You got to tell the flesh, I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. I'm not giving, doing what you, what you put in my mind. I am going to leave it alone. And so it is that we need to understand that if we're going to please God, we cannot be controlled by our emotions. And then the fourth and very important thing is this. I must manage my emotion because I want to succeed in life. You get it? My friends, I need you to understand this morning that if you do not manage your emotions, you will not, you will not get to the place God intended you to be, nor where you want to be. Unless you learn to manage your emotions. So what I'm talking about this morning is so important. So when I get to how you do it, you better be wide awake and listening. Because it's going to affect you. Because all around you are evidences of this. Do you want to know? You see, it says, do you know how to manage your moods? Do you know how to deal with the way you feel? Do you know how to control your emotions? How many people can testify that you can go to bed in a nice, wonderful mood and wake up in another different one? Come on now. Hello. Isn't that true? And you wonder, where did that mood come from? 
Where did that come from? And so, you know, you, know, you, know, you thought you went to bed good and everything, and you wake up in the morning, and, 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 and somebody says, yeah, good morning. What's good about the morning? You know, <laughs> you know where did that come from, they're wondering. And so it is that we need to understand that it's very important. Here's the thing. Study after study, listen to this, have shown that your EQ is more important than your IQ. Now that may be surprising to you. Your emotional quotient is more important than your intelligence quotient. The successful people in life are not the people with the high IQ. It's the people with the high EQ. The people who can know how to manage their emotions. Because you know what? You could be very intelligent. But because you don't know how to manage your emotions, you can't get along with people. You can't be successful on the job. So your boss says something to you, and you know how many people have blown it because they didn't know how to manage their emotions. You say things you shouldn't say. And so that's very important. And so what you and I need to understand is that it is important that we learn to manage our emotions. What are you feeling? Somebody says, what are you feeling to do today? Not very much. So what do they do? Not very much. You know, if I'm not feeling to do very much, we just succumb to the feeling. And you know what, I'm not feeling going anywhere today. And so I'm not going anywhere. But you know what Proverbs 5.23 says? People get lost, it's talking about in life, and die because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. Let me say that to you again. People get lost in life, and they die because of their foolishness and their lack of self-control. How many people you know have ruined their reputation because of lack of self-control? People have lost their jobs because of lack of self-control. People have, you know, in, in, in people who have not learned to control their emotions, and, and because they have learned to control their emotions, the next thing they end up with is an unwanted pregnancy. Guess what? Now they have on their hands an individual to take care of that they never planned for, they never anticipated, and they didn't want right now. And it can change their life forever. All kinds of things that we could talk about today that happen to individuals who fail to manage their emotions. And so it is that people end up in rage. You know, we talk about, we hear about road rage. And people get in shock. Why? People have not learned to manage their emotions. And so somebody cuts off someone and, and the next day, you know what, I'm going to go cut them off. And so you drive around and, and they said, oh yeah, and they drive around and, and then you said, oh, and the next thing you know, you are in an altercation and somebody gets hurt. Why? Because I couldn't control my emotions. It is important that we learn to control our emotions. Jesus wants you to learn to control your emotions. He wants to be the Lord of how you feel, not just the way you think and what you do. He wants to be Lord of your emotions. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 2, here's what it says. From now on, you must live the rest of your lives, your earthly lives, controlled by God's will and not by your human desires. We should be living the rest of our lives controlled by God's will and not by human de desires. What are human desires? Our emotions. It's our affections. The way you feel. 
He says the rest of your life as a believer, now that you're a child of God, your life is to be controlled by God's will and not how you feel. I feel like taking a drink. Maybe a bad idea for you. You got challenges and have some problems with those issues that you take one, you got to take two, you got to take three, you got to take four. And so you may, that's a bad feeling, isn't it? And you got to, so you can't always follow your feelings. And so I, I feel like, you know, I just want to go for a drive. And then you go for a drive and then, hey, they run into an accident. That was a bad feeling. It didn't turn out very well. So you can't just always be living by what you feel. We must, very important that we learn to control our emotions. They will get you into trouble. And God's speaking to us this morning about that. So then the big question is, we talk about why we need to do so. We gave you four reasons why. Now the important thing is, how do we do this? How do we do this is the key. The big question is, how do you do it? Here's the first thing we need to know. If you're going to control your emotions, the first thing you need to do is that you got to learn to name it. You've got to be able to identify what it is. Anybody has ever feel something but you're not sure what you feel? Isn't that true? Sometimes you have vague emotions, right? They're not quite clear. You just don't feel good today. You know, I'm not talking about physical. I'm just, you know, just, you, you're sort of not sure. Somebody said, what are you doing? Uh, just leave me alone. You know, sort of, you're not sure where you are today. And so, but you, in order for you to deal with your emotions, you have to identify it. You have to name it. And we're not very good at being in touch with our emotions as we think. You know, most of us think that we're really in touch with our emotions. And we think that we really know how good we are. But you know, a pastor was having a problem with his wife and they went for counseling. And one of the questions the counselor asked was, how in touch are you with your feelings? How do you, how are you, how do you think you are? And the guy says, I think I'm very much in touch with my feelings. I'm what you call a sensitive guy, a sensitive man. And the counselor says, great, then tell me some of the emotions that you had this past week. And he drew blank. He couldn't tell him anything. And so he thought about it. He says, no, you got to, what, what emotions did you have? Finally, the guy said, I was hungry and I was tired. And the counselor said, those are not emotions. Those are drives. He thought he was in touch with his emotions. And what I'm going to show you today is that a lot of times we think we really are in touch. A lot of times we really think we know what it is. But we are only touching the surface and we're not getting to really the real reason. So hang with me as we start to look at these things because this is important. And so sometimes it's hard to define what you're feeling. It's hard to name it. You need to name it. You need to be specific. But sometimes it's hard to do that. I know I'm feeling something, but I don't know what it really is. The problem is that you can't name, if you can't name it, you can't change it. And so we got to first name it. David in Psalm 55 verse 2 had the same problem. Here's what David says. My thoughts are restless and I'm confused. That's the way some people feel sometimes. So how do we identify it and learn to recognize what it is? I'm going to tell you how we do that. We do that by asking ourselves two questions. When we ask ourselves these two questions, it's going to help to clarify 
what it really is. Now, the first question we ask ourselves is, what is it that I am really feeling? And I'm not just asking a question on the surface. I want to go deep down inside of me and go below the surface and scratch below the surface and try to figure out what's causing me to react that way. When, 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 when somebody said something to me and I snapped back at them, and they said, where did that come from? And they don't see why you had to snap at them. You were not snapping at them because of what they said. You were snapping at them because of something deeper going on the inside. And so the question is, I need to get to find out what it is. And then you have to think it through. And you know, we don't like to think too deeply, especially when it comes to our emotions, because we, we sometimes touch some things that we don't like to touch. And we bury some things that we don't want to go there. And, and so we don't want to do it. You ever somebody hear somebody says, I don't want to talk about it. They seem angry about something. So not, and so you're trying to bring it up. So don't, don't, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. I don't want to talk about it. Well, guess what? At that time, you are being controlled by that emotion. Until you talk about it, you're not in control of it. The way you get control over it is to talk it out. Otherwise, if you don't talk it out, you are going, it's going to take it out on your body. And so what we need to do is that we have to talk it out. You can't just swallow it. Somebody says when you swallow your emotions, your stomach keeps score. You don't want to do that. Our emotions were not meant to be swallowed. They were meant to be shared. And so you need to talk it out. And so sometimes you need someone who helps you to talk it through. And that's how you're going to come to realize what is really your feeling. And so it's important to ask yourself the question, what's really going on? Maybe somebody said something to you at work at lunchtime, and when you went home and, 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 and your wife or your husband says something to you, you are ready to kick the cat and the dog and everybody, and you're wondering, what wondering why are you kicking the cat and the dog? And it all goes back to what somebody said to you at lunchtime on the job. Nothing to do with what happened then at, at home. So it's important to ask ourselves the question, what am I really feeling? And then the next thing I need to ask myself, what triggered this? What is the trigger? Because, you know, every emotional response has a trigger. There's a trigger for it. Something is triggering it. If something's bothering you, and something you sort of bury, and it's bothering you, and somebody comes across your path, and, they, and, they, and, 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 and you're still not satisfied about something. You were disappointed about something. And something that you wish had happened and you were hoping to happen. And it didn't happen. And you were very disappointed. And somebody comes to you at a time and wants to bring up something else to you. You, you know, you, you are so, you're so concerned about what you feel right now. That to you is so unimportant. You just dismiss it in a certain way. And guess what? It comes across very bad. And they say, wow, what's wrong with you? Why are you, you, you need to go, you know, you people, so somebody tell you, you need to go back and get back in bed and come out on the other side of the bed. You remember people tell people that? Because they said, what's wrong with you this morning while you were like that? It is because of something else. Not necessarily what that person is saying. And so we really need to dig deep to ask, why is this, what triggers this thing? Why am I behaving the way I'm behaving? So that will help to bring clarity to what they're doing. If you can't, and you need to, so that you'll be able to talk it out. Now, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you see something that's a trigger. 
Sometimes you hear something that's a trigger. Sometimes you smell something that's a trigger. Sometimes you taste something that's a trigger. Let me tell you something trigger. I've seen, I've seen this. I've seen people, uh, they just see porridge being poured. And it trigger a bad response to them. I said, what happened? Oh, you don't want to know. When I was growing up, every day my mother gave me porridge, 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 porridge. I hate porridge. I never want to see another bowl of porridge. You know, just, just because, and it may not be porridge, it may be something else. And you're thinking about that this morning. And so it is that sometimes what you see triggers. Sometimes you hear a voice. And that voice reminds you of somebody who embarrassed you, who said something to you in a certain way, and it takes you right back there. It could be even 25 years ago. It takes you right back to that thing. And, you, and all of a sudden, your mood changes because of that thing. There was a lady um, who, whenever she heard hangers knocked together, the sound of the hangers put her in a depressive mood. It's true. True story. I mean, I'm, I dealt with this. From a, uh, it, it was a true case. Okay? And so, why was that? When she was 25 years ago, somebody raped her, and that sound of the hangers reminded her of that situation and put her into that depressive mood. And so, you got to understand, there are some things that are happening to us and we are behaving a certain way, and we are acting in certain ways, and it is because of certain things that are triggering things in our lives. Things we hear, sounds we hear, things we see, uh, you know, and, and, and then you can, you can taste something. Have you ever tasted something, and it took you right back to when you were getting ready for school, and they say, you said, this tastes like the very thing they gave me. Just before I went to go back to school. You know when going back to school in the old days what they did? You know what they did. Some, some people don't know what they did. You can tell them later on what they did. When you're a child and getting ready to go back to school, there was a certain thing they give you. Just before you get back to school or from the summer. And this thing that you're tasting tastes just like it. And it takes you right back there. And all of a sudden you says, I don't want to, I don't want, I'm not going to bring that thing to me. Put it away. I, I, don't like the, I don't like the taste of it. And so, you know, it's all kinds of things in life. These things happen that create triggers. But we have to know, and we have to recognize these. It could be a touch. It could be the way somebody walks up and touch you. And you, you know, and in the past, that touch was not a good touch. Maybe when you, maybe, 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 you know, some people have some bad experiences. Some people were robbed, and, and when the robber came before, he, he, he touched you, and then so you can turn around, and that person just come and touch you at the very spot. And guess what happened? Your mind goes right back to that situation. It triggers it, and your mood is different. And so it is important for us to start to recognize and identify what it is. So the first thing we need to do is to name it. If I can't name it, I can't tame it. Now, here's the second thing we need to do. Challenge it. Why am I challenging it? I'm challenging my feeling because just because you are feeling does not automatically make it right. It's not automatically accurate because of what I'm feeling. 
Are things really as bad as they are? Do you know sometimes you feel that things are so bad, but when somebody sits and starts talking through with you, you realize, you know what? Things are not as bad as they feel. But if you are left alone with your own thoughts, things are really bad. But then somebody comes along and they start talking to you, and then you hear somebody else's story, and you realize, wait a minute, things are not as bad as they could have been. And so your feelings, you have to challenge it at times, because you don't want to let it be that you are as things are. And then sometimes you think things are as good as they can be, and sometimes we're living in a fantasy world where things are not as good as they seem, but they seem good to us. And somebody looking and says, man, they need a change. And the person is in a rut. And the person gets comfortable in the rut. And they can't see that they're in the rut. They get accustomed to the rut. But somebody begins to open up and show you some possibilities and some other things. They said, wait a minute. Things can be better than they are. And so you have to be very, those are, you, you must challenge your feelings. David knew this. Look at what he said in Psalm 26 and verse 2. He says, Lord, cross-examine me. Test my motives and my affections. So David realized that. He wanted God to cross-examine him. And so sometimes you need someone else who will say to you, you know, Carl, the way you see this and what you're thinking is not so, it, it really shouldn't be so. That's, that's, that you, I don't think you're seeing it the right way. You need sometimes somebody to help you to give you a perspective so you begin to see things in the way they really, truly are. Because sometimes our feelings can take us in the wrong direction. And things can either be worse than they are, or they can be better than they are, but we need someone to help us in those situations. And a true friend can help us. And one of the ways to figure out how to deal with what I feel is to ask some other questions. What's the real reason I'm feeling like this? Maybe it's fear. Maybe I'm worried. Why am I really worried? Maybe something somebody said to you years ago that's still buried down on the inside of you that you haven't dealt with. The real reason. And then the second thing when you ask, is it true? What, is what I'm feeling really true? Maybe what I'm feeling is not true. You know, Elijah had this problem. Elijah ran away from Jezebel. And when he ran away from Jezebel, he ran into God, and God said to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He says, I'm running because God, they killed all the prophets, and I'm the only one left. And God said, you must be kidding me. Do you know, Elijah, that I have 70, I have 7,000 more like you? I mean, God didn't even just say seven, you know. 7,000 more. And here is Elijah thinking that he's the only one left. And so sometimes what we're thinking to be true is not really true. So we have to challenge our thinking. It's important that we challenge our thinking so that we're not, we don't, we don't. and so it, it's, it's one of those things. And then the third question we need to ask ourselves is what I'm feeling helping or hurting me? Is what I'm feeling helping or hurting me? Is what I'm feeling helping or hurting me? Let me give you an example. Let's assume that you go to a restaurant, okay? And you're in a restaurant and you're waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. 
Nobody comes over to you. And then after a long time, somebody comes. And then 15 minutes later, after you went in the restaurant, you saw a couple walk in. And the next few minutes, you look, they got their food before you. Now, what are you thinking? You're thinking what a wonderful restaurant. You're thinking how the service in this place is so nice. <laughs> no, you're not thinking that. You are thinking something different. You can't wait for that waitress to come back around to find out what kind of mess and what kind of in, how incompetent you are and what you want to say and all the different things of how you didn't put my order in or whatever, 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 whatever. And you want to say those things, but can I tell you, is that going to help you or hurt you? You got to ask. Because if you upset the waitress, is that a good thing? No. So you have to stop and ask yourself the question, is what I'm feeling going to help me or hurt me? So I can't feel like I, what I'm feeling inside is for me to say some things about how incompetent she is and how this place is not a good place and how the service is poor and how I'll never come back here and all the different things I'm feeling on the inside. But I have to learn to what? Control my emotion. Now I may not give a good tip because the service is bad. So I didn't have to say anything about doing that. I just quietly do what I'm doing, right? But I learned to control my emotion. And so it is important that we ask ourselves these questions. Is it true? Is what I'm really feeling right true? Will what I'm feeling help me or hurt me? I need to ask myself those questions. And then the third thing we need to do to manage your unwanted feeling is that we need to tame it. Tame it. So how do we tame it? One or two ways. We tame it by actually, one, changing it. We can change it. The Bible says in Philippians, it reminds us, in Philippians 2 verse 5, it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. So your attitude, which includes your emotions, what you're feeling, should be the same as Jesus Christ. Now think about that restaurant scene. Would Jesus get irritated with this waitress? Would Jesus be yelling at the person? No. Would Jesus get his hands, wringing his hands and worried about life and thinking, I don't think are not going to work out? No. Would Jesus be fearful? No. Would Jesus be worried? No. Because he tells us all of those things not to do. And so the Bible says we must have the same mind. I want you to notice that. It says... Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Put on these same things. So the bottom line is, I have to learn to dismiss those feelings. I got to learn to dismiss those feelings. Now sometimes, I can't dismiss those feelings by willpower. I need the power of God. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So if I want self-control, and I know that I can't dismiss it by willpower, here's what the Bible says in Galatians 5. Galatians 5 tells us in verse 23, it says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And the last one is what? Self-control. So in order for me to have self-control, I need to allow the Spirit to have control over my life. When I allow the Holy Spirit to have 
control over my life, the fruit that comes, one of the fruit and the benefits of what comes is self-control. And so, because you can't muster up the will to have self-control. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to. So, so people, so here's what the, the world teaches us. Count to 10, right? Do you remember that? Some people count to 15 and they still blow up. They pass the 10 long time. And once they stop, it still comes out. It didn't, it didn't work. And so, you, you know, you, your, your will, you're, you're fighting by willpower to do it. doesn't work. But the Spirit of God has the, the power and the capacity to change us and to produce in us the fruit of self-control. And so what we need to do is to allow the Holy Spirit to do that. So what should we do? Each day, we should ask the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, take control of my life. Let your Spirit be in control. And as we allow the Spirit to go, one of the fruit of the Spirit is going to be self-control. So to tame it, number one, we can change it. And we change it not by willpower, but we change it by the power of the Spirit as we allow the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of self-control in us because we're allowing Him. Now here's a second way we can tame it. We can channel it. We can channel that emotion. And we can use a negative emotion for good. Now think about this. For instance, if you've been a victim of injustice, let's assume you've experienced prejudice or racial profiling. You've experienced unfairness in the classroom. Unfairness because you're a man or woman of a different color from somebody else. You had something unfair in your life and naturally the emotion is going to be anger. What are you going to do with that anger? You know, the Bible says to be angry and what? Sin not. So anger is not a sin. Did you know that? Anger is not a sin. It's what you do with the anger that becomes the sin. Jesus got angry. He got righteously indignant in the temple when he got angry, saw them violating the temple of God, and he got the whip out, and he beat them, and he turned over the tables. And so angry is not a sin. It's what you do with the anger that is the problem. And so here it is that you may be feeling injustice. Well, this happened actually. And this person, they channel it into something good. On December 1st, 1955, in Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa Parks refused to obey the bus driver, James Blake, who gave her the order to give up her seat in the colored section to a white passenger after the white section in the bus was filled. And she refused. And she got angry about it. Martin Luther King heard about it. And in that same month, he led the first great nonviolent protest of African Americans in a bus boycott in Montgomery, Alabama. The boycott lasted, my friends, 382 days. And because they channeled that anger into something positive, guess what happened? It changed the law. The U.S. Supreme Court at that time changed the rules and it ruled that segregation in public buses was unconstitutional. 
What has happened out of that? The result is 50 years later, Martin Luther King's legacy still continues after his death. 50 years after his death. He died in April 4, 1968. And so... His legacy remains. Why? Because they took something negative, an emotion, they were angry, they were upset because of the injustice, but they didn't retaliate by make violence for violence, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. They channel it and they use the anger they felt to do good for other people. So guess who benefits from it? You and I today are, benefit, are beneficiaries and recipients of the great act that they did against injustice today. So you and I can drive on a bus today, and it doesn't matter where, we, where, where we're going, it doesn't matter what side of the bus it is or what part of the bus it is, we don't have anything to worry about. We can get on a bus, and we can go in any part of it. Isn't that because they channel what, they, what their anger, that emotion, they use it for something good. The question that I want to ask us this morning as I wrap this message up is this. What is the pain in your life that you can use for the good of others? See, because Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King took the pain in their lives. And they use it not just to benefit themselves, but to benefit us and the greater society as a whole. What is the pain in your life today that you can use to channel it? So that it becomes a benefit and a good to somebody else. That's what we want you to focus on. So as we get ready to leave this place today, I want you to remember, we have to learn to manage our emotions. It's important that we do so. It's going to affect how successful you are in life. Will you succeed? Or will you not get to the place that you were designed to get? The place that you and I want to be. We have to learn to name it, challenge it, and tame that unwanted emotion that comes. And God is dependent on us to do so. Will you bow your heads with me? The Bible reminds us in Psalm 19 and verse 14, it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in thy sight, O Lord. Father, I thank you that you are an emotional God. I thank you that you gave us the ability to feel that we are not robots, that we are not unfeeling, uncaring, and that we can experience both highs and lows in life. Help us to avoid the extremes of emotionalism. That all that matters is how I feel. And, and stoicism, that feelings aren't important at all. Thank you for the book of Psalms that shows us that every emotion is understood by you. And that you can give us the power to change or to channel it. Now I want you to repeat this prayer with me, if you will. Say, Lord, I know my feelings are often unreliable. I don't want to build my life on feelings. I want to build my life on your truth. I don't want to be manipulated by other people or by Satan. 
I don't want to be manipulated even by my old nature. But I want to be self-controlled and alert. More than that, Lord, I want to please you. I want to do the things that please you. I want you to be the Lord of my emotions. I want to succeed in life by being controlled by your will and not my feelings. So help me to practice what I've just learned this week. Dear God, beginning right now, I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want my life to be filled with love and not hate. With peace, not chaos. With joy, not sorrow. With patience, not impatience. Lord, I want to be kind. Fill me with goodness. Fill me with faith. Fill me with gentleness. Fill me with self-control. Help me to develop the habit of asking you to fill me moment by moment. Then, Lord, most of all, I ask you to help me to manage my mouth. May I learn to put your words in my mouth and to speak the word of truth. In your name I pray. Amen. What is the stand together? And there's a song to me that represents what we've been doing in these 50 days of transformation. Because I always keep in mind the picture of the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And as we think about being transformed, I want us to keep that image. That God is moving us from where we are into something beautiful. And so this song is something beautiful, something good. All my confusions he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. Isn't that what you want God to do for you today? We want him to make something beautiful of our lives. Amen? We want him to transform us. And our emotional, we'll have emotional health. So as we sing this, let's sing it as a prayer. Let's sing it with expectation. Let's sing it with anticipation that God is going to do that. Something beautiful. Something Yeah.
And if you lift your hands and you sing it, you're saying, God, this is me really saying to you, I want you to take the things that confuse me, the emotions that are confusing, the feelings that I have that I don't even know what they are sometimes, and the things that get me into trouble, and I want you to make something beautiful of my life. So will you raise your hand as a act of surrender to him as an act of saying God here I am I'm singing I, I'm, and you know it's, it's as if God's just focusing on you you don't see anybody beside you you don't you don't recognize the person beside you right now all you see is God and you're focusing on him you're zeroing on him and he's zeroing on you and so you're in your world with him can you do that and just focus on God and say, God, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you because I need you. And I'm going to give you my confusions. I'm going to give you the things that bother me, the things that I don't understand what's going on. And I want you to make something beautiful of my life. Are you ready for that this morning? Well, let's go. Something beautiful. Something good. All my confusions. hallelujah we give you praise we give you glory we give you honor God that you will take our confusion the vague feelings the feelings that we're not even sure what they are when we have challenges name in them when we have difficulties tame in them when we we have don't understand even how to challenge them in the way we should but we give you ourselves afresh this morning and we ask that your Holy Spirit will do the work in us that only you can do, God. We know that you can take my confusions. You can take our mistakes and all the things that are not clear to us. And you have the power because you are God to make something beautiful, hallelujah, of our lives. So Father, right now, oh God, for that one that's saying, Lord, I, I, my life is in a mess. Things are not where they should be. I, I don't know where to start or pick up the pieces, God. But you can, you know what to do, God. Because that's why you are God. Because you have the answer. Because nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is impossible with your Father. So we ask you now in the name of Jesus. 
that you would truly make something beautiful of every life. Those that are here and those watching us by the World Wide Web, may they this very moment surrender to you and say, God, I give you, I come to you just as I am, just as I am with my mess, with all the confusions, with all the broken pieces, with all the things that are scattered and not together. And I'm asking you to make something beautiful of my life. So we give you thanks, Father, that you do hear and answer prayer. We praise your holy name. And so now we ask you as we go, Father, that you send us forth with your blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Two things just before you go. One, our first time guest, if you turn to the back, you'll see Sister Sandra's there waving at you. We're going to ask you to follow her. She's going to escort you to her hospitality suite. So when you get to the back, she'll be right there waiting for you as a first time guest.